Welcome to the Piggy Bank Chronicles, a podcast about money, investing, and bringing home the bacon. Welcome everyone to the Piggy Bank Chronicles, episode number 22. When is fruit a good investment? It's June 5th, 2023, and for those of you that are paying attention to the corporate zeitgeist out there, today is the Worldwide Developer Conference 23 for none other than the Apple Corporation. And you are probably familiar with or use one or more products from this company if you live in America. It's, it's not guaranteed, but it's certainly a possibility. You may use their phones, their earbuds, their watches, their computers, their app store, their services. You name it, they are out there and they're a big, big company. In fact, Apple is the largest company in the Standard & Poor 500 Index by market cap. Nearly, nearly a $3 trillion company. And and I, I think it's important for me to repeat that so you don't miss it. Apple is a nearly $3 trillion market cap corporation. That is unique in the annals of American companies. It is, it is a milestone event that we all need to pay attention to. And today we're going to have an unusual episode because it's been a minute. We're a, we're a episode down. We're a week late recording and I'm, I'm, I'm even late in producing this. And that's because, you know, as we have in the past, life happens. But over the, Memorial Day weekend, uh, my son Sam and Don and I were on a trip with some other friends to go to a game conference. So we were out and about at a board gaming conference over the weekend and weren't around to record. But on our way back, we managed to, Don, Sam and I managed to record some snippets of a conversation we were having in the car about Apple and whether or not we thought what we thought about the company in general and I thought it was worth talking about from an investment perspective because certainly Apple is a publicly traded company that you can invest in and if if you had invested in them over the last say 10 years you would have been rewarded handsomely for that investment so does that mean they're a good investment now if you haven't already invested in them, would would now be a great time to buy Apple stock? Well, we're going to unpack that a little bit from a numbers perspective and from a recent events perspective. But in the meantime, I'm going to segue into various snippets from that conversation. So we're going to go ahead and kick the proceedings off and then I'll intervene with the future me and edits into the conversation and sort of give you some running commentary about what we were talking about. So hopefully this will make for a fun episode. Hopefully you guys will enjoy it and let's give it a shot. I'm uh, JJ's son. I'm here in a car trip back with them going from Dallas to Houston. And we were in the middle of a interesting discussion about Apple. We thought we'd take the time to go ahead and record it, see if it's worth uh, using for the podcast. So, Don, you said you're pro-Apple. Let's lead in with that. Why do you think that? I am pro-Apple. They just uh, started a savings account with Goldman Sachs. Paired up with them about a couple years ago, starting their credit card. Uh, Their credit card rewards now instantly go into that savings account should you open it. And they're also encouraging you, uh, adding another thing to their Apple ecosystem. Uh, I think it's an innovative way to attract customers into their credit card. Uh, and as well as just 
offering the literal best APR in a savings account compared to every single other savings account on the market. Alright, JJ, how do you feel about Apple as, like, as they are now and in their future prospects? So, I think Apple's a cash generating machine these days, but the question is how effective long term is it going to be at keeping people stuck in their ecosystem and developing technology that makes people want to stay there? Fintech is cute, but I mean, that, I don't think that's a competitive advantage for them because anyone with an app and a bank behind them can be a fintech company. It's just, you know, are you going to make money at those interest rates loaning, you know, loan, loaning other people money? I, I guess they can, but to me, the, the whole wearables concept, the, the iWatch, the iPhone, what they do with VR, that might be more telling for them long-term as a company. So I'm gonna jump in here with a few quick facts to highlight some things we were talking about. First of all, Apple is a bit of a growth story when it comes to things like income and cash flow. Their revenue has grown since September of 2013 or the end of their fiscal period, Apple Inc.'s revenue has grown roughly 8.46% annually, compounded annual growth rate in revenues. Their compounded annual growth rate in net income over that same time frame is 9.8%. So for 10 years now, they've produced nearly 10-digit growth in net income. In addition to that, their cash from operations has grown... 7.4% is the compound annual growth rate. So the company has been putting up numbers that most companies would be happy to put up, particularly at the scale that they're already putting those numbers up. And Don's correct. As a fintech company, it's one more feather in their cap of keeping people sticky within their ecosystem. But we're going to keep going, and we'll talk about the story of Apple being greater than that. And I, I made a comment here about virtual reality and coming up next sam is going to sort of nudge me in a different direction not so much about vr but about ar and where apple's heading so let's jump into the story from there ar what they're looking at in the near future i i mean i'm a huge apple hater but they've got the most enviable brand loyalty in any market ever right people stick to apple and then the more apple they have the more apple they want and also, they even me as an Apple hater, I have AirPods. I just think they're the best in the business for what I want them for. For the everyday use, they're super easy to use and they have great quality and ear feel. So, but I'm just starting to think, because people have always made the meme that Apple's just, you know, they're slapping a new, a new camera lens on the same phone and then charging you an extra $100 every year. Apple people know they're overpaying. Is there a certain point where it's too much to where the average person can't even afford these Apple phone payments or then they just get tired of buying the same thing again and again? Demand's only gotten higher for the iPhone every year over year. True. It doesn't matter that nothing's changing. It's a beautiful product. And they're still adding incremental upgrades as the market demands it. There isn't an issue. What else can you add to your phone that really changes what phones essentially do they've even come out and said that's really not where we're trying to innovate we've done that yeah. they want to add to other areas because no one 
and any phone market is getting some crazy new phone upgrade. They're bringing back flip phones. No one wants a flip phone. They're bringing out, <laughs> they're bringing out these things that, that yeah. no one wants because they're trying to be innovative yeah. and it just isn't innovative. It's, it's gimmicky. It's it's expensive. Yeah, they, they really have nowhere to go. Yeah, and I think with that in mind, like sure, they're not adding a lot to the iPhone, but they don't need to demand is still going up that's still their bread and butter I, and everyone or a lot of people still want it because of the changes they made in their security facebook can't collect and harvest data from iphones anymore that is not the case on android they are locking down your they're protecting your data and i know well, i don't care about my data you can't on iphone they're adding a lot more functionality in terms of protecting their user core because they're such a big player now, this is all specific to America. Outside of America, yeah. no one really cares about iPhone. But also in America, didn't they get hit on a trust-busting push for their app store? Aren't they losing income through that angle? JJ, do you have any, it seem like you have something to say about that? No, I wasn't so much trust-busting, although, yeah, I, there was, I guess, two things to keep in mind. One, what are we recording this on right now? It's an iPhone. It's an iPhone, and two, when you hear this, the audio quality, because of the road noise, is gonna be not as ideal as we'd like it to be. And so the question then becomes, does Apple reach where they wanna be? No, they still have an opportunity to find better tech, but hopefully in post I can filter out some of the road noise. But then the other thing is, what about Apple internationally? What about moving manufacturing to India? What do you think about them trying to enter the Indian and Chinese market more aggressively? You think they're gonna make inroads into that or not? So just to jump in real quick, I want to confirm what Don said here earlier. The iPhone is far and away the Apple Inc.'s largest product by category. When you break down their sales or revenue by product category, that one dominates the landscape. In fact, according to the website Statistica, as of the last quarter they reported, which was Q4 of 2022, their iPhone constituted 47.29% of their revenue by product. The Mac categories was 12.77%. The iPad was 7.96%. The wearables, home, and accessories was 10.7%. And the services category was 21.28%. So their second highest category, bigger than any of the other two categories, combined that aren't the iPhone was their services revenue. So we're going to dig into this a little bit more, but I want you to keep in mind that wearables category because I had talked a little bit earlier about VR and Sam corrected me and said AR. Well, today in the Worldwide Developer Conference, Apple dropped a bomb and I'm really excited to talk to you about it, but we're going to wait a few minutes and then I'll get into it. Let's jump back into the recording. some idea of what their uh, market penetration is now in India? I don't, no, no, but if only we could ask a technology online that question. Uh, go to ChatGPT. <laughs> Don, go to ChatGPT. Yeah, uh, we're already there. <laughs> but I, I think them breaking, I mean, if they can lower price, which I don't think they will, I mean, even to get into that landscape, I mean, it's still net positive. Like, it is the known brand name phone and while like they're not being saturated in other countries it's still 
Revert is a high quality product. In, in certain countries, it's literally a, a you are rich if you have the Apple phone so much that it people will, if you pull it out they will literally rob you because they see that icon or that phone and then um, even in america the airpods were joked about as being when they first came out a symbol of wealth basically they're like they, they would flex on people with their apple watches and their uh, headphones i feel like in first world countries they're having no issue right. selling it yeah yeah and, and i think that's just because uh, people are putting that income that disposable income towards those products more so it's as well as the access is easier because it's so heavily tariffed uh, i believe outside of america um in other countries but yeah i mean i samsung's just not a real competitor it feels i mean they're they're the closest competitor we have but and i know that across the world they you know people will say most cell phones in the world run on Droid, but it's not just one, it's not just Samsung that's using Droid, right? It's, there's it, every other brand except for Apple, Apple that they're comparing against it, when really Samsung doesn't have the market share that Apple does. Well, what about the big brands in Asia? Uh, yeah, like the Huawei phones and stuff exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I even looked at them here. They look like quality products for a way better price, but you just can't convince anyone in America of them. I don't know anyone who's even considered buying a third option, right? right. It's uh, almost it's almost like voting, right? It's right. like you vote Apple or you vote Droid. Nobody, there's no third party. Google Pixel, I know Google Pixel people, and that really? is because of their phone quality. However, the Google Pixel people I know are like, yeah, this isn't worth it for this phone quality. Yeah. There's no true, like, exponential differential in phone quality from iPhone to Pixel like there originally was when the Pixel was first introduced to the market and additionally it, I, I go back to the security and the, the person I know that has the Pixel is really like they saw what they did with the security and that's not happening on any other manufacturer no one's really trying to stop that in any case additionally the phones are the same price across all three yeah so whenever you're looking at it it's a, a form of uh, it really depends on what you want because i think there are benefits to not going an iphone but you need to really have your specific reasons on on why you would not want it yeah. and that's just because you can cater a non-iphone more so really quick i think i would be remiss if i didn't jump in here and just point out in case you guys missed it from the recording Don's really an Apple Inc. fanboy. He He's all in on the iPhone and the Apple ecosystem. He seems to be really down with, with the motif. So I just figure it's worth saying that before you guys start to take this as any type of uh, unbiased commentary. But we'll jump back in the recording and go from there. People are just looking for that interconnectivity and it's seamless. I think that's something that I can put a note in my phone or my calendar, it goes to my laptop, it goes to my iPad, it goes to my, my watch, it goes to everything immediately. And it's always syncing to the cloud and everything same. Transitioning phones, seamless. Interface, seamless. Whereas if you're in the Samsung market or another phone market, you get a new phone, it has a different theme, it has a different interface. It's not seamless and it's, it's almost clunky because they're trying to do something different with every iteration that is droid in their own like subcategory of phone. Uh, well, to me, it's not 
the new phone always feels the same. I've had Samsung for a long time. The new phone, same as Apple, it's basically the same phone. It was a slight iteration. It feels the same. They, they usually have some new gimmick, like the phone, the little thing will pop out the top or it curves on the side or something. But in actual using it day to day, it feels the same. But my wife is exactly like you said. She just keeps trying to get me to buy her a new Mac laptop. I'm like, but Mac laptops suck. And she's like, yeah, but it connects to my iCloud. It connects to my watch. It connects to my phone. The, the more Apple products you have, the more it makes sense to buy more Apple products. Right. Now, you have an iPhone. And I, JJ, I wouldn't consider you an Apple fan exactly. So what, why did you go iPhone personally? Kind of what Don was saying. It's it's the frictionless experience. If if I plug it into the car with Apple CarPlay, it's just better than Android CarPlay. Android CarPlay is improving, but it's not as good as now, Apple I'm CarPlay. Because I have a new car that does have Apple CarPlay, and it's just way above the Android Connect or whatever they have. Why is why are cars specifically catering to Apple more than? Uh, Samsung, you think is that something Apple's paying them to do, or they just recognize that's the dominant? So no, it's it's what Don said. It's a closed ecosystem, so it's much easier to program for the iPhone because the number of variations on an Apple OS are far less than the number of different Samsung or, or Android-based phones you're going to find the variations and the modifications to that operating system. So it's easier to code for because there's less variability in what you're going to see. And that was, that's what keeps drawing me back to the iPhone <clears throat> is it's just frictionless. It's just less hassle to deal with in the car, basically. I would add to the, the app store is a, a big part of Apple. Um, there are not a lot of apps on Android in comparison to what's on the Apple market. I, I completely disagree. Well, uh, the only apps I look for are games, and games come to Droid just as much, if not more, the type of games I'm into. The more casual gaming market always go to Apple first, so it's kind of it's kind of literally just what apps you like you tend to use. I'm sure if you're looking for more like artsy apps, it might push more towards Google Pixel, so they might show up on that more. If you're just using, you know, a, a new prettier weather app, that's probably going to hit Apple first. It's just the type of user you are for your app store. I would say so, but additionally, I think, like, I, I don't have exact numbers, but I believe the App Store revenue in comparison to Android market revenue, or maybe it's Google Play, I don't know what their store yeah. is, uh, is, it's staggering from my understanding compared yeah. to what, who's actually purchasing an app on an iPhone to who's purchasing an app on an Android. Yeah. Uh, I, I believe it, it's a wide disparity on, on spend of App Store versus the yeah. Android market. But I, I don't know if that's a unified store. I, I wonder, because it is a Google store that I think hits all Androids, which, like I said, is the bigger install base globally. But I think, like you said, the, the richer markets just have iPhones, so they're going to spend more money on more App Stores than the Apple. So I, I wonder if that's specifically because of the type of person they cater to, or if it's just... Apple's doing a better job selling apps. I don't, or they're getting a bigger cut. I really don't know. I know they do it. get a thirty percent cut through the App Store if it's purchased through an app on the App Store, and that's why there's companies such as uh, Spotify who doesn't allow you to renew in the app because they don't want Apple to get a cut of their money. Okay. Um, so that is a specific specific strategy on how people try to work around 
the app store currency because they take such a large portion. And that's what made the uh, lawsuit between Fortnite is when they were, when Epic was trying to get around. And I think they won that effectively, right? Apple won. I Apple, no, I thought Epic is allowed to do it now. A Apple had them taken. I'd have to look into that. I'd have to look on into yeah. that as well. I remember, I remember everyone was watching it. It might even be ongoing. And they just stopped talking about it. But that was a really big case, I think, because the App Store really is dominant yeah. for Apple. And it, it, because of that huge cut, Epic was just... they. I mean, they were still making money hand over fist, but they just hated it, handing such a big cut of it to Apple. Right, for essentially doing nothing. But it's on the Apple market, and that's, again, where a staggering number of money is spent into um, is their app market. So... It says here that the court largely upheld the ruling related to Epic Games antitrust claims in favor of Apple. Looks like Apple yeah. won out there. Wow, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I don't think, ChatGPT, you can even put in your payment on through the app. I think they're through the website initially wow. as well. Um, we love bringing up ChatGPT. Yeah. Uh, so a quick fact confirmation. From the website Statista, I may have said it wrong earlier, Statistica, but I believe the website is pronounced Statista. As of Q3 of 2022, in terms of reported sales in U.S. dollars, the Google Play Store amounted for 10.4 billion U.S. dollars in sales. Meanwhile, the Apple App Store pounded for 21.2 billion dollars in U.S. dollars in sales, so nearly double, or a little bit more than double, uh, what the Google Play Store managed to achieve. So, just wanted to fact check and say that, yep, Don's correct. They they certainly are leading in that category. Now we'll jump back into the recording. <laughs> and so, it's it's interesting, uh, and I think that's all resolving around the iPhone, which is which is their bread and butter. I think it's their saving grace. But additionally, they just have so much cash on their balance sheet. Apple's really great about hoarding loads of cash. Um, and so I think that gives them a lot of ability to to try out new things. I think that's why they're trying to be innovative outside of the iPhone. I think they're trying to open up new verticals in case the iPhone does, because it's all their money. If it does start to tank, I don't see that happening in the near future, but it would be huge. It would spell huge danger. So they're trying almost in face. They're trying to get ahead of it better than Facebook did or Facebook's like the cash cow is drying up. We need to try something desperate. They, want, they don't want to be in that desperate situation. Absolutely. And I, I think I know sales have been down for iPhone past couple of years, but there's also the EU lawsuit uh, where they have blocked them having different ports. So supposedly in this next release of iPhone, they'll have to be USB-C. And I think that's that's a win for the consumer. I think it's a win for the consumer. I think it's gonna be a, it's gonna result in a major price hike on the iPhone. Yeah. But I think the sales will be enormous. I'm excited for USB-C connectivity. As long as they do not limit the the transfer speed, because USB-C is so much faster than Lightning. It's it's a it's not even close how much the transfer speed. Whenever you directly plug in a USB-C to Lightning, in terms of like transfer files and computers and all different types of media, it's it's such better tech 
compared to the outdated lightning cable. Huge win for consumer. And I think it'll draw a lot more people to an iPhone just having that better. It's just nicer. Yeah, it's Type, better in every way. Type C feels really good. And I love it when Europe does our work for us. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for the loot boxes. Everyone's scared Europe's going to do that for us too. <laughs> Europe's out here, you know, another W for America, boys. <laughs> I'm not a big tea and crumpet guy, but oh my gosh, they're doing good work out there. So just for context, I think Don's statement is partially true. As of the last reported trailing 12-month balance sheet statement, Apple is carrying total cash and stock investments of $55 billion. And that's a compounded annual growth rate of 3.25% in their cash and stock investments over the last 10 years. But it's also worth noting that their employee base has doubled in that time frame. They've gone from 80,000 employees to over 100, right at 164,000 employees as the last reporting. And this is even more interesting, although we're talking about their stock, their, their cash, we should look at a company's liabilities too. And that's a story to tell. Apple's liabilities as of September 30th, 2013, we're just over $83 billion, close to $83.5 billion. As of the last trailing 12 months of 2023 reporting by quarter, their total liabilities were $270 billion. Just for metrics, that's a compounded annual growth rate in their liabilities, their total liabilities of 12.5%, 12.46% to be precise as of this recording which is larger than their revenue growth, larger than their net income growth, and larger than their cash from operations growth. So the single largest category that I looked at in terms of what was growing on their balance sheet, their income statement, their statement of cash flows, was their total liabilities, which, which are going up by almost 12.5% a year annualized for 10 years straight. It's just something I think you need to keep in mind when we talk about Apple as an investment vehicle. Let's go back to the recording. The downside in my eyes is price. But it, you you have to pay the same price for the other product. The price, uh, smartphones, the price is extremely inelastic. Yeah, the, the demand just does not change. They, they, I mean, I think since we started buying, it's at least doubled in price compared to when we were first buying smartphones. And like you said, the demand still went up. It's it's uh, price is really not what people are arguing over too much. I mean, I've heard everyone grumble about it. They're like, it's up to a thousand dollars. Anyway, here's my new iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> like, it just doesn't dissuade them. They notice it. It's it's almost like gasoline. Right. The price is going up, but you're you're still going to the tank. Right. And I think that's just the case. And everyone uses their phone every single day. No one. It's not a phoneless world. It's embedded in everyday activity. And so people want something really reliable, something really consistent, something easy to use with good battery life. I think the latest iPhone, you can get up to 14 hours playing a video at full brightness. I think that's something that's wanted. And that's, so an, an average user isn't normally doing that. And there's, that's definitely like the max tier, the best iPhone, but that's what people want. Uh, and I think that'll that'll just continue to carry more people to the iPhone, especially with upcoming changes uh, that they're even making the iPhone due to EU regulation. 
Yeah, if only you could also get them to stop doing the uh, built-in obsolescence, then then we'd be golden. But both parties are doing that <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, everyone's so, doing it. I'm every, not saying everyone's Apple's been on wrong. board with that. So. Yeah, everybody's like it's making money everywhere, so they're just letting it happen. So right. All right. Well, that's been us on our way home from Dallas. Thanks for listening to the Piggy Bank Chronicles. Uh, we'll be back. When will we be back, JJ? One week. One week. Do we have a topic yet? You want to give them something to look forward to? It's going to be a solo episode, I think, so no, no topic yet. All right. <laughs> well, you'll be hearing a lot more from JJ. We'll talk to you all later. So I guess that was the end of the audio that we managed to capture while we were riding in the car. And I thought that I would kind of close out on this note. A couple of things to clarify. First of all, my son doesn't normally refer to me as JJ. I think normally he calls me dad, but I think JJ was for the podcast. So take that for what it's worth. Second, um, today, as I mentioned, there was a huge announcement on Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference 23. And the announcement was the Apple Vision Pro. So this is Apple's entry into the wearable category. Um, essentially, you can think smart glasses or um, AR, VR enabled glasses or, or whatever metaphor you're familiar with. But much like what Apple has done in the past, this is an impressive, impressive product on a variety of levels. And I, I don't think I can sit here and talk to you about it and do it justice. But I will tell you that if you have the time, you should go onto YouTube and look up WWDC 2023, June 5th, Apple. It's essentially the kickoff announcement, probably at the um, one hour and 22 minute mark in a two hour and six minute video, you hit Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple Inc.'s announcement of Apple Vision Pro. And over the course of the remainder of that video, they outline everything that went into the hardware and the software and the experience that that platform represents. And I'm going to tell you guys, I've seen AR and VR, whether it's sort of early iterations of sort of the, the goggles you made out of your phone, uh, whether it was the Oculus Go, which I've used, whether it was um, Microsoft Hollow lens i believe which it's called which i've used or the htc vibe which i have also used i think all of those technologies pale by comparison to what the apple vision pro represents because essentially from what i can see for the first time um, you're talking about a wearable computer now i, I want to be clear this isn't a piece of technology that you would probably feel comfortable walking down the street with it's it's not going to be dissimilar to an Oculus Go in terms of the amount of headgear that you've got on. So it may, may be a little sleeker, but not not so materially sleeker that you're not going to feel self-conscious walking around the office with it. But the ability to turn your office or your living room, to, to turn your office into a sort of virtual surround workspace, or to turn your living room into a... Uh, off-world entertainment center is remarkable and I won't spoil it for you you really should watch the video to get the sense of what Apple's accomplished this isn't going to be a cheap product it's I think the 
beginning low-end retail price is $34.99, so $3,500 for the cheap version. And when you throw in RAM and everything else, it's going to be between probably four dollars and $5,000 for the device. You're buying essentially a Mac computer that straps on your head. It can, it can use gestures, it can use eye movement, it can use a keyboard interface. It is a remarkable piece of technology. And it reminded me something that I had forgotten about in our conversation. This is where I'm going to close it. If you're an investor and you're looking at a company and you go, well, you know, I, I might be interested in investing in that company. You have to understand at its core what a company does. And when I looked at this product, I was reminded, oh yeah, Apple is a hardware company. Apple makes cool consumer devices. You would think from all the conversations we just had that I would know that. But it's like an oh yeah moment. I forgot that's what Apple really is. They're a, they're a hardware company that happens to make software to go with their hardware. They happen to sell apps that run on their hardware. But they're a hardware company. And they can create an innovative product like Microsoft or Facebook or Google really haven't been able to mirror. They haven't been able to show the commitment, the refinement, the dedication to the precision and the quality of the product that these guys are building. And that's that's part of the story. But the other part of the story is, you know, when you look at this as an investment, if you're like me and you buy, you know, index funds, say you are an S&P 500 index fund holder, most S&P 500 index funds are market cap weighted funds. So as an example, the Invesco, the BlackRock, um, the iShares S&P 500 index fund, IVV, one of the ones that my wife have in our portfolio. As of the time of this recording, when I looked, Apple by itself made up 7.52% of the total index portfolio. So 7.5% of the entire S&P 500 value is derived from Apple. What that means is if you're an investor in the S&P, you are very much invested in the future of Apple, along with 499 other companies, in a material way. Also, when you're looking at equity investments, you're looking at them to grow. But the question is, can they grow exponentially from where they are today? A market cap of, as of this recording, roughly $2.85 trillion is really big in the annals of the U.S. Stock Exchange. And for that company to grow by 33%, they have to add roughly, not quite, but roughly another trillion dollars of market cap, of value, economic value, to reach that threshold. That is not an immaterial goal by any stretch of the imagination. And so a bet on Apple directly is really a bet on their future as a hardware company. I'm not a betting man, and I'm, I'm, I'm an index investor because I'm willing to play the odds across a broad ecosystem of companies that can ebb and flow in success and failure. 
But when you look at this piece of technology that they've released, the Apple Vision Pro, it is, it's, it's the, it's a meaningful entry into the AR VR category that creates a personal computer strapped to your head with an interface that seems impressive on surface. I'm not sold in enough to pull my wallet out and go buy one. By the way, they won't be available until sometime in 2024. But I am very curious to see one. I am very curious to try one. And for the first time in my life, <laughs> I'm curious about buying sort of a material product from Apple um, close to launch, which is not something I'm prone to do, but this is a remarkable um, set of technologies that they're putting together. This is, this is interesting. Is it enough to be a long-term investor in just Apple Corporation, Apple Inc., I should say? I don't know. That's, that's for each individual to decide. But it is a new and interesting chapter in the story of Apple that we've been waiting to hear for a long time, and now it's here, and now we get to watch it unfold in front of our eyes. So if nothing else, don't miss the theater, folks. Don't miss the opportunity to watch this product watch its launch, watch how many pre-orders they get, watch how the market reacts to it, watch how many developers move to it to build games and experiences on it. This is the real deal. It really is. And it's going to be interesting and it's going to be compelling and it's going to create experiences that are going to be unique. So that's in closing what we think about Apple. I, I hope you guys enjoyed this. I know it's longer than a normal episode, but take it at your leisure. Do not miss the chance to go watch the Worldwide Developer Conference video. Go check out Apple Vision Pro for yourself. Go see Tim Cook's introduction and all of the technology that's built into that product throughout the course of that video. It is well worth the watch and really entertaining if you're a tech nerd. Guys, thank you all for listening. Look forward to hearing, talking to you real soon and maybe hearing from you if you like what we've done on an episode. And as always, uh, take care and we'll see you soon. This podcast is not financial advice. We are not financial advisors and content is for entertainment and educational purposes only. You should do your own research or consult a professional investment advisor before making any investment decisions. And as always, thanks for listening to the Piggy Bank Chronicles.